Real leaders leave a legacy. They capture the hearts and minds of their teams. Their origin story puts the safety and well-being of their people first. Great companies ubiquitously have safe yet productive operations. For those companies, safety is an investment, not a cost for the C-suite. It's a real topic of daily focus. This is The Safety Guru with your host, Eric McCroskey, a globally recognized ops and safety guru, public speaker, and author. Are you ready to leave a safety legacy? Your legacy success story begins now. Hi, and welcome to The Safety Guru. Today, I'm very excited to have with me Dr. Mark Fleming. He's a professor in industrial and organizational psychology at St. Mary's University in Halifax, Canada, uh, with uh, well over 20 years of applied experience in industrial health and safety management uh, in high hazard industries. Uh, some of the areas of focus in his current research are around measuring and improving safety culture, safety motivation, and safety leadership. Uh, an incredible thought leader in, in this space. Mark, really uh, happy to have you with me today on the show. Hi, uh, great, Eric. Uh, thanks for inviting me. Really excited to, to have a chat. Excellent. Well, first, maybe to start off, uh, you've dedicated most of your life to uh, research, and, and what I really love is around practical tools to improve safety in organizations. Can you tell me a little bit about how you got started and, and where your pa passion for this space came from? Yeah, well, I, um, I, I'm originally actually from Ireland, but I mm -hmm. studied in Aberdeen in Scotland, and as an undergrad in, in Aberdeen in, in the uh, late 80s, um, you know, Piper Alpha loomed large. Uh, it had a right. huge impact on the city. 167 people killed. There were many sort of memorials and events, and you couldn't but be sort of touched by it. Uh, although I didn't know anybody uh, mm. who uh, was lost in the tragedy, but you had that sort of sense of that this was there, that it was present, uh, maybe in the back of your mind. And as I lived in Aberdeen for for a number of years, got to know people who who'd been involved. And right. then when I finished my undergrad in psych, I uh, went on and did a master's in uh, ergonomics, human factors. And then that, that's really when I started to sort of build my passion for um, occupational health and safety and, and mm. um, listened to a presentation about the uh, uh, causes of Piper Alpha from a human factors mm -hmm. perspective. And that really got me uh, hooked. And I then uh, took up a job working in, in, as a research assistant uh, on an offshore oil and gas um, research project uh, to sort of address some of the issues that were identified in uh, Piper around risk and around safety culture. Um, hmm. And that was in 1993. And I've been working on safety culture ever since. Uh, phenomenal. And, and thank you for all your work in, in improving workplaces and so many different sectors. Uh, when we talked, there's a, there's a piece of research you're doing around information asymmetry um, as it pertains to safety. Uh, I think it's an incredibly important topic particularly for a lot of executives that struggle with this balancing act. Can you share a little bit about what this information asymmetry is and some of the background and some of the learnings from it? Yeah. One of the things, you know, so there's been a, a fair amount of research done on safety leadership in, in organizations. But when you actually look into that literature, what you mm -hmm. find is really what it's about is about safety supervision, right? It's it's all the right. research really, uh, or the vast majority has been focused on the, the leadership behaviors of frontline supervisors, those who uh, mm -hmm. uh, direct the work. Um, and very little research um, uh, on how senior leaders uh, demonstrate commitment and, and how they're involved in safety and what behaviors they should display. Hmm. And uh, a number of years ago, we started to sort of look at this uh, issue. And, and 
one of the the theories that we we chose um, uh, to to investigate was this signal theory, which uh, is won the Nobel Prize for Economics a number of years ago. And the the basic theory is that um, in many situations in life and in business, um, there is what we call information asymmetry. So one person knows more than uh, the other person, and in sure. those environments, it can be quite. Uh, difficult uh, to mm -hmm. sort of um, interact and make judgments. And the sort of classic example that's given is purchasing a secondhand car. When you're buying it off someone, that person uh, who's owned the car knows a lot more information about the car than you do. Right. And therefore, how do you make a judgment as to whether it's um, a, a good thing to buy or a, or a bad thing to buy? And, and that person Selling the car has a vested interest in being <laughs> honest. So um, what we look for are what we call signals, and signals that are, are that are important are those that are maybe cheap for someone who is being, say, um, uh, honest or is uh, is uh, in in the context to sit to to provide, but would be expensive for people to lie about. And in mm -hmm. the case of a secondhand car, if you offer a warranty uh, to the person who's purchasing your car. Then that, mm -hmm. if it's a good car and you have confidence in it, then that's relatively cheap for you to offer. Sure. Um, but if you know it's a lemon, then it's quite expensive <laughs> for you to offer. And therefore, that would be seen as a very good or strong signal. So we, we look for these signals, um, in uh, particularly in situations where there's what we call information asymmetry. And we make our judgments based on those signals that would be expensive for someone to send. Uh, if it's false, but um, you know, not very expensive if it's if it's true. And we decided to then look at that from from the perspective of safety leadership, because one of the problems that employees have, see, see, senior leaders uh, within an organization turn up and say, safety is our number one priority. Sure. Safety is uh, really important to us. We want you to do all these things. And then as an employee, well, they, they don't know whether that signal is true or not. So sure. you don't tend to have senior managers turning up and saying, I don't care about safety, <laughs> right? So so in general, then it becomes quite difficult for us, for a frontline member of staff to make that judgment as to how do I decide whether or not this leader is um, credible or not. Um, mm -hmm. Given that I, I can't read that person's mind, I need to be able to to make that judgment uh, based on other information. So what they say is not usually just enough. Right. Um, so the study that we that we did was to interview uh, frontline employees and ask them how they how they made the judgments around their senior leader's commitment to safety. So mm -hmm. what always struck me as as odd was that when you go and survey uh, frontline employees. They all have opinions about their leaders, senior leaders' mm -hmm. commitment to safety. Yet the vast majority, particularly in large companies, will never have met the front, the senior sure. leaders, the CEOs of the organizations. Right? You've got ten thousand employees. How many of them realistically will ever have met you? Um, so how could they form these perceptions? So we were mm -hmm. quite curious about that as a as a phenomena. And uh, so we set about doing the, uh, a really neat sort of project uh, using uh, signal theory to ask employees how they found those uh, perceptions. Mm -hmm. And from that, we were able to uh, identify three things that um, uh, that really employees focus on. One is the status of safety in their in their environment, which is pretty obvious. So if sure. if if the if safety is not being managed well um, uh, in the place where they work, they infer, well, my senior leader doesn't care about safety, right? right. Um, the behavior of 
that person's direct supervisor also uh, is another factor. So if sure. their supervisor isn't very good, then they they judge the leaders as a as a reflection of that person. Mm-hmm. And then and then finally, it was about uh, interactions that had happened between senior leaders and uh, some frontline employees. Right. So right. so those interactions, even though they didn't interact with them personally, the interactions with other frontline employees actually had a really important role. And that was quite surprising to us. Hmm. And, and was there any hypothesis as to uh, how many interactions were needed or, or, or to, to permit if there's a change in leadership to really send a message around that safety leadership commitment? Yeah, it wasn't so much necessarily the the volume that we were able to sort of pick up on, but mm-hmm. that those uh, interactions needed to have a sort of uh, an impact in that in that sort of sense, so that you know mm-hmm. that there was a there was often a, a really good sort of story. So in this uh, in this particular study, mm-hmm. um, you know, we heard over and over again uh, a particular example of the CEO interacting with uh, employees in uh, canteens and and giving out uh, his uh, business card and if they needed Mm -hmm. to contact him, how to contact him. And, you know, this story was told to us many more times than it was possible for the for the CEO to have sure. done. Okay. So <laughs> so there is a there is a sort of amplification effect that happens. And if you sort of if you think about it, um, you know, most of our lives in, in, in day-to-day work is pretty dull. And uh, <laughs> we we have colleagues who we talk to, but we tend to talk to them about work. Um, or maybe sport or other things, but often work will take up a main part of that focus. And if you're uh, a frontline member of staff and you're, you know, spending your day and then you're at lunch and the CEO of your company comes and sits and have lunch with you and talks to you about safety, that's a story, right? That's a story that you're going to tell, not just today, but for for quite a number of years uh, in the future, potentially. So that has a huge impact on people's um, uh, perception of the commitment to safety. So when when senior leaders, I think, are going uh, to uh, visit the work site, they need to talk to as many people as possible because that can mm. be impact. But also they need to, to, to think about it in terms of, well, what am I being remembered for here? What's the message that I'm sending to this uh, this individual I'm talking to? This one person is is representative of a wide number of people who I work with. And how I interact with that person sends a very strong, strong signal um, uh, about commitment. So I can say mm-hmm. I'm committed to safety, but it's a much bigger impact if if the uh, frontline employee is telling other frontline employees, hey, I met Bob and, you know, <laughs> he's, he's a great guy. And, you know, he's actually a regular person just like you and me. And, you know, the thing we spent most of time talking about was safety, right? He was interested mm-hmm. in that. He was interested in what my concerns were. He was really focused on that as an issue and he was really knowledgeable about it. And sure. I think... Um, while many companies have programs to promote mm-hmm. uh, leader worksite visits and, you know, most high hazard safety critical industries yep. um, will have some form of program. You know, when I look at those programs, I if I was a senior leader, I would be annoyed. Right. Mm-hmm. I think that we don't cost them in terms of um, how expensive they are. They are probably the most expensive safety initiative that most companies have. Mm-hmm. If you cost in terms of the opportunity lost and the, the, the cost of, of a senior executive's time to travel around work sites. Now, mm-hmm. I think it's very valuable. Right. I just sometimes feel the programs don't put enough value on them. Right. Interesting. You know, 
And I think that if if I was a senior leader and when I when I provide input to organizations in designing these programs, there needs to be a lot more effort put in place to ensure that those worksite visits have maximal impact and set the set the leader up uh, for success. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And, and how what are some of the variables that that you think bring the most value when you're trying to, to, to set up a program or visit that has has impact because in in some cases there's even a a need to balance competing messages around we got to get this shipping out the door or some some productivity pressure and the flip side this element around safety is our number one priority yeah so so i i think you know in general companies have done a, a better job in recent history of say training the the safety leaders to be able to have those conversations because it's not something that um, people, um, all people are naturally good at. So I, yeah, I think absolutely. there have been some programs in that space that have been helpful. But I think assuming that they've they've got some 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 input on that, then it becomes prepping the the senior leader for the meeting, right? So that sure. when they when they when they turn up at the site, they know about the site. They know things like what what have been the recent accident rates, mm-hmm. what have been the uh, any high profile events that have happened, what are the safety challenges that are experienced here. Also, are there individuals who may recently made a contribution, either made a good safety suggestion or a, 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 a good catch that should be recognized, right? So they should be should be sort of familiar and prepped mm-hmm. for that meeting in the same way that they would be prepped for a business meeting. Sure. Right? They need to see this as these frontline staff are their customers and they're people who they're trying to influence, right? So they should come with that as as a um, have information. And most of the uh, companies will have some app-based process mm-hmm. to um, uh, facilitate these visits. And local safety staff could easily um, provide that information, background information for the leaders so they turn up and seem knowledgeable to the staff when they talk to them. They sure. know about the, what's going on in their in their workplace and they can talk about it, right? So they should be they should be prepped. They also should see the orientation as, as as two parts. One part is I'm going there to meet with people to demonstrate to those people that I am concerned about safety and it's a mm-hmm. priority for me. Okay, and when I when I meet with them, I'm going to talk to them about it. So I'm going to ask them questions about how they're finding things, what's mm-hmm. happening, uh, what are the challenges. They are not going there as a safety auditor, right? Yeah, so turning 100%. up with a checklist, trying to <laughs> find things that are problems, <laughs> all help. that stuff is super unhelpful. Yeah. Yet you'd be surprised at how many uh, mm. leaders are sort of set up in that sort of context, right? Where they sure. don't really know what they should be doing, particularly <laughs> if you're. You know, if you're a VP of finance, right, and you're turning up at, uh, you know, a, a pipeline installation project, well, what do you know about it, right? Very little, right? right? Yeah. So so in those contexts, again, you need to set that per- – someone should be responsible for setting that person up for success and providing some guidance. So if you're very unfamiliar with workplace hazards, you need to have someone who's going to be your buddy who's going to take sure. you around Ideally, frontline member of staff, maybe an occupational health and safety committee member who's going to look out for you, make sure that you're not going to get injured or hurt, but also be able to provide you with some some interaction and, and some chat. Mm-hmm. And your role is to is to be there to talk to people and understand what's going on. And then you have a secondary role, which is to be able to step back and say, how are things functioning as an external mm-hmm. leader here? What's the relationship going on here? What's the culture in this environment, right? Because they, can, right. you as an external person uh, to that worksite, particularly if we're talking about larger organizations, you can get a really good feeling for um, what's the relationship between employees and, and managers and, and 
is that a concern for me? So, so, so there's a there's a communication piece, but there's also a data collection piece that that leader is doing to say, you know, how are we working here as an organization? Mm-hmm. Do I have any concerns about the operation here? How are they managing those conflicts between production and safety, which are going to exist? So it's not to say they don't exist; it's just how we manage them that's important. Right. What are the key priorities that I'm taking away from this? And I can go back and share with my colleagues, right? So I think mm-hmm. that's. It, you know, it's, it's viewing it in a slightly different way, but more importantly, I think um, organizations should should be valuing um, that activity much more than they, they often do, and they should be putting much more resource into making sure that, that that's, that's valuable piece of time, right? If you see that mm-hmm. manager, senior manager works at Visit as a piece of gold, how are you going to maximize the impact of that gold? rather sure. than just saying, oh, well, we do a worksite visit program and they have to do so many a, a year, yeah, so yeah. let them off and do it. And they're rubbish at it, but they, I suppose, they have to do it, right? This episode of the Safety Guru Podcast is brought to you by Propolo Consulting, the leading safety and safety culture advisory firm. Whether you are looking to assess your safety culture, d- develop strategies to level up your safety performance, introduce human performance capabilities, re-energize your BBS program, enhance supervisory safety capabilities, or introduce unique safety leadership training and talent solutions, Propolo has you covered. Visit us at propolo.com. So, so in your used car example that you shared, is there something as well that the leaders can can leverage a bit as a proof point, a bit like your your scenario about a warranty, uh, something that demonstrate that this is a genuine commitment to it? Because everybody, as you said, says I'm committed to safety. But I've talked to frontline workers, and it's the same thing. Some buy it, and some don't, depending on how that person shows up. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think there's a there's a couple of different sort of layers to it. I mean, mm-hmm. I think it's very um, uh, difficult to believe a leader that safety is number one when there's when there's no evidence of it. So, so sure. fixing fixing things <laughs> and, and getting getting things um, resolved, I think, is important. I think also being sort of somewhat realistic about mm-hmm. What, what's going to happen. So sometimes I think um, organizations have talked themselves into a difficult sort of corner whereby mm-hmm. they say safety is our number one priority, which is not exactly true, right? right. And <laughs> it's, it's not that, that um, I think everybody that all the senior leaders I've worked with, they absolutely um, do not want anyone to be killed or sure. injured at work, right? That, you know, that, yeah. that goes to that question. And I think that's what we would say is a core value right Mm -hmm. that we want to do the work that we do and we want to do it as safely as we can right right? but sometimes the message that's heard is of which is safety is our our top priority or our number one priority is that it you know it doesn't matter what safety what what it costs we we're gonna have to do it and there can be no compromise that we have Mm -hmm. maybe call a zero risk approach which is not financially sustainable not a wise approach so mm-hmm. because really in, in that if you if you take it along that road really the solution is just to shut the business and you know right. therefore there will be no risk so there is risk we need to manage that risk and our commitment is to manage that as effectively as we can mm-hmm. but sometimes that sort of message simply simple messages <laughs> that uh, you know often people come out with causes then this sort of conflict whereby an employee comes up with a uh, uh, an issue Sure. And, you know, the only sort of solution that they're sort of expecting as, as safety is the number one priority is, you know, 
this thing gets done or doesn't get done or we don't do this work anymore. Right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that's that's a challenge whereby you have to be able to navigate that sort of conversation. So you meet with an employee and say, you have this safety concern. Okay. You're going to ask them, well, what do you think the solution mm-hmm. is? Okay. That seems reasonable or doesn't. Okay. Well, here's how I want you employee to solve this problem. Mm-hmm. And if you, and if you go through those steps and it doesn't work, then come back to me. Right. So, so right. rather than taking it away and say, I'm going to fix that for you, it's saying, OK, well, that's really interesting. Here, here's my understanding of how the process works. Have you done all those things? Sure. Um, and if they say, yes, I've talked to this person, this person, this person. OK, well, you know, and again, that comes back to being prepped. You need to know what the process right. is. But then if they uh, if they say, well, you know, well, they're never going to do it. Well, you say, well, you go do those things. And then if there's a problem, <laughs> then then come back to me. So you need right. to, they need to take some ownership for it. Um, and then also, if if there has been a situation and you said, oh, well, OK, I'll look into that. and I'll get back to you. Then mm-hmm. then you need to be able to do that and say, OK, I'm going to look into what you've said to me you're going to do that and then you're going to get back to them right or get someone right. else to get back to you right so so i think that's the the way to demonstrate that you're that you're sending that clear signal mm-hmm. is is to um, have what we call a uh, a do say ratio as close as one as you can as you can have it, uh, as possible yeah. right where you if you say you're going to do something then you need to do it Right. right. And it can be super tempting for a leader when they're in that um, environment, talking to that employee, say, oh, I'll fix that. And right. yet they probably know they can't. So they need to be able to be willing to say, this is what I can do. Right. These are the limits sure. of it. And this is what I can. So you don't want to jump over existing processes, mm-hmm. but you don't want to just bob them off either. So it'd be, be clear about that. If I'm going to say I'm going to do something, I'm going to have to do it. So have a, a say right. do ratio of one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other tip I give to senior leaders is to ha- to um, uh, to use your ears in in and your mouth in the same ratio, where you, you listen <laughs> twice as much as you talk. Right, <laughs> and, and I, I love that that element. I also love that the the point you made around not taking away all the problems away, but also helping people solve their own issues because then it becomes more sustainable. Versus, I show up, parachute into a location, then walk away solving everything. Um, it's not a sustainable solution either. No, not. And, and so one of the, the themes that I often hear is, is this, the sense of organizational memory lasting a very long time. I, I've been in some workplaces where people will recount, oh, somebody got fired because they made a mistake. And when you try to track down when the last event took place, in some cases it's 20, 25 years ago, many CEOs prior and, and no one at that site was even present what advice would you give to a leader where there's an element of I need to to rebuild or shift the trust that's built in leadership because maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago, the CEO had a very different stance on safety. Yeah. Yeah. So, so again, the, 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 the thing about sort of culture and about sort of safety is that it's, it's, it's really held in the stories that we tell. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, stories fulfill lots of different um, roles, particularly in terms of, you know, persuasion and mm-hmm. being able to sort of uh, make some sort of point. And so the, the the problem with old stories and that that continue to be told, often <laughs> they're not really necessarily true. So one of the strategies is is to try and, and, and create new stories, right? Sure. So you replace the old ones by having having some 
some new ones, right, and being able to sort of address them that way. Um, and, you know, having some sort of, also having sort of patience that it'll take time for the, for the new stories to replace the old ones mm-hmm. and being willing to address them. Um, in some ways, I think um, companies make mistakes by not directly um, uh, addressing uh, the sort of the past, right? To right. sort of say, hey, that never happened, right? <laughs> or it was slightly different. And sometimes the some of the sort of technical details of the story are incorrect and people sort of focus on that rather than just saying, well, what, what's going on here? Right? Sure. Um, at a sort of, why are people telling that story? And they're telling that story because they're not really sure should they believe you, right? right. And, you know, based on past history, maybe they're right. So mm-hmm. I think it, what, what leaders who've done a good job in this space is that they have directly addressed the past and said, yeah, what we did what mm-hmm. in the past was wrong. Um, it wasn't me, but it was people like me. And I accept yep. that, that, you know, it's going to take a while before you're going to believe me. But again, let's, let's be clear. Here's, here's my commitment. Judge me on my actions. And, mm-hmm. you know, let's, let's hear those stories and say we're not going to hear them again. Let's sure. ask those people, well, what would it take? Uh, for me to for you to be convinced that mm-hmm. um, you know I'm serious this time, right? So often, you know, leaders seem to want to have all the answers or the senior leadership in an organization, mm-hmm. rather than saying, well, actually, what you're trying to do is persuade someone um, of um, you know that things are changing and moving forward. And one of the best ways to persuade them is to ask them, well, what would convince you, right? And then once you've done that then there's a there's a much more likelihood that they're going to believe you, right? So they may dream up something that you think, well, that's not really that. <laughs> but you 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 go with that, okay, let's let's be convinced. Sure. And let's let's work in that sort of process. But but keeping the focus on it, right? Right. Um, and also at the same time think of, well, what are the new stories we're gonna be able to tell? Um, mm-hmm. And uh, an organization uh, that I worked with a number of years ago, uh, they were designing a a, a new uh, new truck. Uh, for for their maintenance staff mm-hmm. and um, you know this was an important piece of equipment it was basically right. their office and you know the one of the senior leaders in the organization went out was meeting with people you know everyone in, in the central office was super excited about this they mm-hmm. had purchased a new um, series of trucks for, for a number of years and you know so went and and as part of a worksite visit this uh, senior leader was talking to some staff and they were like yeah, but that that is just rubbish. We're getting these new trucks, but they're just not fit for purpose. Here, mm. here's this. This is wrong, and that is wrong. The order had already been made, right? Sure. So, so this this was like, oh no, what are we going to do? So, the senior leader, because this was an organization where there was not a lot of trust, they canceled the order, paused the order, and said, "Look, we're not we're not hmm. doing this until you guys are happy, right? So, we're going to sit down and we're going to redesign." Um, this process, we're going to get your input. It should have been wow. done before, but it wasn't done properly. Mm-hmm. And we, you are going. This this is your office. This is where you work every day. And, and we're going to have these for for twenty years. Sure. So let's see if we can if we can get it right. And you know they made changes. They mm-hmm. they redesigned it. They you know retendered. You know they they were able to to make that process work. And it was a one big step to um, making that sort of change within the organization. And it became a story of hmm. the new culture that was was going to be in this organization. Yeah, we have all our old stories, but now we've got a new <laughs> one where senior leader listened to us, took action. Right. And every time someone got in that new truck, they could say, I designed that truck. I, and yeah. that story now lives. So so sometimes it does take a, a bit of you know, cost. And obviously they were able to manage the contract <laughs> to the same people. They sure. managed the back end cost of that and just flush money down the toilet. 
but they were able to send a very strong signal and they took the opportunity. Yeah. So if you get the opportunity to send a strong signal, take it. Right. It would be my advice. Yeah, I, I think that that's a very good example of, of sending a very strong signal. Um, and, and there's always opportunities. It's really a finding, finding them, cultivating them, and then making sure you share those stories. Uh, so, so love your, your examples around it. I think it's a really important topic that a lot of, of executives uh, struggle with is really how do I have the greatest impact? How do I send the, those messages in the of, the, of, of my commitment across the organization? Probably a, an entirely different topic, and I don't want to start it all here and, and, and not end it, but very briefly tied to this topic we just talked about, side visits. How does a leader know? How does an executive know? How safe their business is, um, because a lot of lagging indicators are are horrible indicators of of that sense of safety. Yeah, yeah, and again, I think this this actually does sort of tie with the the sort of sending the signal is that you know leaders I think need need better service mm. from from their safety professionals. I know safety managers maybe <laughs> for this, but you know at the moment they've sort of you know, convince leaders that the, the way that they should know that they're safe is that they have low lagging injury, sure. uh, uh, injury rates. And that I, I don't think that was ever true. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think most people now accept that it's not true. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the problem is we haven't spent the time building those indicators um, within within organizations. And I think um, what what senior leaders should be doing is asking their 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 safety specialists to say, tell me, how you how we know how safe we are, sure. right? And if they say it's it's lost time injury rates, the answer to that is that's a wrong yeah, answer. Right. That just tells <laughs> you how unsafe you are in one particular way in the past. Yep. It doesn't tell you anything about how safe you are. Correct. Right? Now, the types of things that are there now, so, so let's be clear, most organizations do not have good measures just now. 100%. Right? Yep. Um, now, some uh, organizations, I think, are starting to build this data. Mm-hmm. And they're using it through what I would call micro audits. Right, where they do these frequent site-based um, observations sure. of specific high hazard tasks, not just every sort of single safety thing we do, but here is a high potential activity that could result in a fatality or a major event. Okay, let's go and have a, a plan where over our organization, we're going to audit this a number of times. Mm-hmm. And we're going to not just look at the extent to which we followed all the procedures that we were supposed to follow, but also did the people uh, performing the task understand those things and how do they deal with upsets that may have happened in terms of the planning and, and execution of that activity. Sure. So what you're trying to look at are the controls that we believe are in place, um, in place mm-hmm. and to what degree are they? Right. And if you're getting 100 percent all the time, you know, I think you'd probably be suspicious that you're not working well, <laughs> but it should give you an indication because that's really what we're trying For to sure. measure is it, when we talk about how safer we are. Um, what we really mean is to what extent are the controls that, that are in place and are they working as intended? Right. So are they working mm. effectively? And that tells us how safe we are. Um, so that would be the expectation. Some organizations, I believe, are building this, mm-hmm. um, although we don't have good data. But that, as a as a methodology, I think is very doable. Although it is, it does take resources, and organizations would have to start small with one uh, particular um, event and then move forward. Mm-hmm. But I think all of the other stuff, which is leading lagging, all of that is failure based, um, and it provides very little reliable insight from what I could be able to see into uh, how an organization could could understand how safe they are. But I would start if I was a senior leader in a safety critical business of asking my safety specialist, my most senior safety person, mm-hmm. how do we know 
how safe we are and and not be happy or satisfied with the answer we have industry leading uh, <laughs> lost time injury rates right that's that's not the answer that that would be a, a warning sign for me right and, and i would propose that some of the listening tours that you talked about before where the executives are at the front line interacting also gives you a bit of a of a pulse as to um what's the environment and what's the the risk that we're playing with here and and how aware are people of that are of those risks yeah and how well controls are in place and how well people understand mm-hmm. them um, and that sort of interaction. Um, but I think to be able to get a sort of a systematic piece right. of data that, that would be would rival what we currently have in terms of uh, lost time injury rates, I think is a, is a little bit, uh, you know, further mm-hmm. away from most organizations. And, and right. currently what organizations are trying to do is, well, based on what information we currently have, what does it tell us? And, and that's, you know, not bad approach, but the problem is, we don't. We're not asking the right questions currently, um, mm. so so we we need to collect new data. And if we, if we look at other parts of our business, when when <laughs> uh, when we've needed new data, we we come up with new collection methodology. Sure. Um, so you know the, the it is possible. It's just you know not not straightforward. Yeah, you you wouldn't report to Wall Street or to the city and say, uh, I don't have this type of financial information. Exactly. Or, or, you know, a company currently, if we, if we use, you know, that sort of corporate perspective on safety, mm-hmm. all we're saying often is, you know, if our, if our reports from a conglomerate was none of our businesses lost money last year. Sure. I, don't, I don't think as an investor, I'd be too convinced by that. Right. Right? Yeah, that's, that's often what the safety report uh, to senior leaders is. None of, none of our employees got injured last year. Right. Okay. Well, there's, that's good, right? I mean, it's sure. not like we're, we're suggesting we should be losing money, right? <laughs> Does it mean we're going to be successful in the future? Correct. Yeah. No, no, it doesn't. It doesn't mean that at all, right? It's sort of good, but it's I don't. It wouldn't give me any confidence. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Mark, thank you so much for for joining me today. I think you've provided some really uh, amazing insights, really, in terms of of how how leaders can show up, how executives can show up, and show their commitment to safety. Uh, how they can start changing the story, the narrative within the business around commitment to safety uh, such a powerful and important topic and really appreciate all your work and research in this space. Great. Thanks, Eric, for the opportunity to have have a chat and to to be a part of this. Excellent. Thank you. Like what we do? Share this on your socials and tell everyone. Thank you for listening to The Safety Guru on C-Suite Radio. Leave a legacy. Distinguish yourself from the pack. Grow your success. Capture the hearts and minds of your teams. Fuel your future. Come back in two weeks for the next episode or listen to our sister show with the ops guru, Eric McCroskey.